After the huge success of their debut album, Let It Lie, in 2015, the brothers Landreth, Joey Landreth on slide guitar and vocals, and Dave Landreth on bass, their momentum was stalled for a short period while they recovered from the endless, exhausting tour cycle. Joey Landreth made two highly successful solo albums, Whiskey and Hindsight, which came out in 2019. Brothers Landreth recorded 87, an exciting follow-up to Let It Lie in 2019, but the pandemic delayed their ability to tour behind it. During the pandemic, the brothers co-wrote a series of 11 songs which became a most beautiful and touching album, Come Morning. Come Morning sketches a markedly different picture showcasing the introspection and clarity that comes with a long period of rest. Welcome to Behind the Drive Shortcuts. My name is Douglas McLean, and our guest this morning is the Brothers Landreth in conversation about their new album, Come Morning. I knew... Uh, I knew your first album pretty well, but I didn't know 87 too well, but I got to know that a bit more. So, um, first of all, the the album, the new album, Come Morning, is masterful songwriting, and the production is just gorgeous. Uh, so, Thank you so much. My gosh, uh, you must be so thrilled with listening to that back. And, uh, we, we are. We yeah, really are. Yeah. Not, not to be too... Uh, not to float around boats or anything, but yeah, we uh, we we are actually that pleased with it. Well, you Truly. have every you have every right to float your own boat. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really we got enough people puffing hot air up our asses. We'll, yeah, uh, I guess so. So um, maybe you could take us uh, first of all. I wanted to say that there didn't seem to be any hints of this in your previous two albums that you would create this kind of uh, sound. So. Um, uh, you know, that surprised me actually, because when I got to listen to the whole album in its entirety, it's got almost a kind of a soul feel to it. Almost, if I might say, sort of kind of a mixture of uh, Motownish kind of thing. I don't know how to even put my finger on it. It's pretty unique. Um, do you mind walking us through the inception of the album and how you put this all together? Give our audience a bit of a taste. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I, I, I feel like to kind of address that, uh, that sort of soul observation. Um, I mean, Dave, Dave certainly is as well. But I'm, a, I'm a massive fan of black gospel music, and I'm really, really inspired by the sounds that come out of that tradition of music. And, and I think you know, if you, if you follow history far enough back you can find the roots of all of our favorite music from North America, kind of, or, or, or many, many of the music, much of the music from North America comes from uh, black churches. And um, so uh, I, I feel like some, some of the changes that have, we've kind of undergone on this record don't really come from us exploring new things and it's more about us welcoming more of our influences to the table. Okay. And whereas, okay. you know, we have, we have kind of fallen into, I, I don't want to call it a bad habit, just a habit of kind of giving ourselves parameters by which we're allowed to create. 
And we've kind of said, you know, the Brothers Landreth is a traditional kind of roots band. And we kind of approach it like a roots rock and roll band. Even, you know, I mean, pe people know our music would know that it's not the most rockinest all the time, but it's got moments. Um, so, but we, we had kind of rules in place for the sounds that we were going to make. And this, this record was all about not necessarily going out of our way to, to change anything, but just kind of to say yes to more stuff. And it, at the very least chase an idea down until we really decide, okay, this doesn't work. Right. Um, instead of saying, no, we couldn't do that. That, that doesn't fit the brothers land with parameters. And, uh, and I think that's kind of what you're hearing on this record. And it, so, yeah, again, it's not, it's not like, uh, it's not necessarily anything that's new to us, but it's some of these things are, are the first time that we're letting this stuff kind of come through. Okay. Um, uh, I guess the, the, I guess the question I would ask is how do you, uh, okay. So thematically or mood wise, the album is kind of sad. I mean, there's a kind of a sorrow in the songs and yet there's some hopefulness in there but overall there's a general general sense of reflection in some sort or maybe well that's what i'm responding and hearing when i listen to it and uh i'm just wondering how many songs you had to write to kind of because they all fit together pretty well i'm wondering how many did you write only these songs or did you have more songs than this for the project there are 10 songs on the record yeah and we had 11 songs <laughs> so it was pretty tight yeah yeah <laughs> but music has always been really cathartic for us right so like our i think our records have always come off a little somber right um and it's not that we're unhappy people or we're inherently sad people but music is a way for us to process those emotions and feelings right and that comes out pretty naturally when we start when we start writing songs. There are more happy songs on this record than I think ever before. There's there's a few love songs. So at least two. At least two. At love least two songs, happy songs. Which is <laughs> which is up from maybe one <clears throat> on each prior record. Yeah. Uh, but the the theme of the record for us was the idea that that working through your sadness, your trauma, your pain, whatever it is whatever you may be struggling with is that 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 is that's worthy worthy work it's yeah. it's important to do and for us the act of creating the record is is kind of how we start working through those things often you you put words to these emotions and then you start to process them and then you start working through them and then inevitably at some point you find yourself in another place with these struggles in your life where not to say that they're ever behind you, but that you're, you're wearing them in a healthy way and you're processing living with them in a healthy way so that you can move through to this other side where there is, where there is like joy and light and, right. uh, and, and more happiness. Right. Yeah. So even though they're, even though they're sad, like the theme of the record is definitely hopeful. Right. Uh, and is encouraging everybody to just, yeah, feel, feel your feelings, work through your emotions and then, and then encouraging people to step through them. Right. To well, try and find a peace. Yeah. I, I wasn't actually trying to imply that that was, um, you know, something of concern. I mean, actually, it's, it's, it takes you on quite a journey. And, uh, you know, that opens up, like you say, this other side. And, it, you know, there's the old saying, with great uh, sorrow comes great joy. And uh, they're, they're, you know, brother and sister, basically. Like so, <laughs> you know, they're in step with each other. Yeah. Um, so, and, and uh, you know, 
that once you listen through these songs a few times, I mean, there's some just extraordinary moments. And I want to ask you about particular songs in a while. But uh, the other thing before that, though, I'd like to ask a little bit about how you managed to capture your vocals in uh, such a way, because they're there's some real, I don't know how many tracks are you're, we're hearing as a listener, but, you know, they're really, uh, there's a real lushness to them, and uh, you really, it really draws you in, even though they're not highly pronounced in the mix, you know. It, they're soft and gentle enough that you just get pulled into them, and then the whole song kind of folds around you in a way. It's a very interesting experience that. It's different than any album I've heard this year. So, is that something you work? Wow. Well, th- yeah. I, I mean, thanks for noticing. Um, I I do all the vocal arrangement um, for all the backgrounds, and and I also do all the recording of all of those things. So, um, over over the over the years, I think the the sort of engineering process and the arrangement process has been a little more explorative, but I think in the last, in the last kind of year or two, um, I've really settled into a place where I I try to make decisions uh, based on how something makes me feel. And so, you know, I'll I'll arrange something where there's a harmony underneath the lead vocal and a harmony on over top of it. And then if I, if I listen back to it, and it doesn't elicit the right feeling, I start again and I'll rearrange it. And I'll, I'll either, I'll, I'll try two harmonies above or two harmonies below, or I'll spread them out or I'll, or I'll approach them like it's a choir instead of three people in a band singing together. It's, there's a separate sort of vocal, vocal sort of uh, group. And, and it's, it's really emotionally led and something like a song like Corduroy or Drive All Night, which probably has more, the more, ambitious vocal arrangements on the record um i arranged both of those songs in their entirety probably three or four times before i felt like i got the right feeling and that was that was something that i learned uh i learned to embrace on my last solo record which was a tribute to lowell george music and it and that has like probably some of my craziest vocal arrangements i've ever done but i really i really i would get to the end of it and go I think it's saying too much or it's saying too much like this and not enough like that. So I would start again. And in the process of sort of starting over and, you know, throwing stuff out, scrapping it and starting again, I got pretty quick. So um, it was a little less daunting, like, oh, my God, I have to rearrange this seven part harmony thing again. Um, it, it just really was a lot of fun. And so because this record for Dave and I is is so so emotional and it's it's so so important it was so important to us the entire time that you know even if we had to struggle for a part once we got it we could walk away and go yeah that's it that's the thing we didn't want to compromise on anything and so it was really easy to to kind of explore those things over and over and you know i mean with drive all night i remember sending sending three different arrangements to dave and murray going okay here's here was idea number one. Here's idea number two. Here's idea number three. What, what do you guys think? I'm kind of stuck. And Dave would go, I love how you sang number one, but I like the the chord arrangement of number three. Can you sing number three the way you sang number one? Like, okay, great. You know, and um, now, yeah, now it just, it, 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 it's really emotionally led. Yeah. 
you sing together on the songs though right it's not it's not just uh layering right you're not just uh building layers aren't you both singing in these songs or am i misunderstanding that no it's just one voice yeah some some of them we are but I, but a lot of times what i'll do is i'll build the arrangements myself okay. and then dave will come in and replace certain parts just because it's easier for me to get ideas out if i'm just yeah if i'm if i'm just sort of the the vessel yeah well i mean that was one element of the record in the that really struck me how the vocals sit there and how they build and you know move and and in some of these songs the uh they hit you pretty good now also there's a lot of interesting sounds in there i mean not just your slide guitar work but the whole band sound but then there's little colors and flourishes and things like that and I've read, of course, on your webpage, you mentioned this, and certainly Beth sent me some information that you spent a lot of time exploring different sounds and things like that. Did you both uh, try to find things like that? Do you work on synths and things, or, or is that your producer that's doing all of that? Well, I mean, no, everything is really collaborative. And even, I mean, I think in a lot of cases, once once the band tracks are recorded, um, I wind up playing a lot of stuff, but we're we're all in the room together. Dave, Dave and I and our our co-producer Murray, um, we're in the room together, building stuff, reacting to things, making suggestions. It's super collaborative, and that's something that. Sorry, I'm hogging all the answers no. here. Um, that's something that in the making of this record, we really wanted. You know, because uh, you know, you you may know, and and some of our fans would know that I I I have a handful of solo records out, right. and um, there was always this sort of separation between what is a Brothers Landreth song or song or sound, and what is a solo Joey Landreth sound. Right. And we really tried to abandon that for this record. We wanted to, we really wanted to embrace the idea that um, I don't have to reserve certain things for only the solo project and we can allow the brothers landreth to get more experimental and more um not even experimental but just like like i said earlier we're not we're not saying no to stuff so but the 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 sort of one criteria that was really really important is both dave and i have to sign off on it and so um there's there's no world uh, where anything goes on a Brothers Landreth record without both of us giving our express approval and participating in it, in it, you know. And even when I was talking about arranging the vocals earlier, like not nothing gets printed until until everybody's listened to it and gone, yes, we feel like this is, right. you know, this lines up with our vision. So now, what, uh, you know, it's really important that we're both involved. Yeah, well, I can imagine. Uh, now there has been some. Uh, there you have no, you have said sorry i'm stumbling around on this don't know how to ask this delicately but the there has been some suggestion that this was a coming together for you after a long period of time so that 80 87 was sort of filled with some sort of struggle and now you feel that you've come together as a as a real band and unit again um do you want to talk about that a bit i mean uh, certainly. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. What yeah, no, that's was. that's fine. I appreciate you. I, yeah, I, I can I can riff on that, and I think I know what you're getting at, and I also appreciate you being uh, delicate. How how very Canadian of us all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so after our after our first record, we toured. Uh, we toured really really hard, and uh, 
we were out a couple of years in a row where we were gone 200 plus days and, um, and it just about broke my marriage right. and took a, a, a real, um, yeah, it, it took a real toll on my mental health. And I, I came home after 2016, we, we took a hiatus. We decided to put the band on pause and, and it was an indefinite hiatus. It was definitely like, I wasn't in a place where I could, I was in a really bad place. And so we set the band down with the, not with the intention of killing it dead, but knowing that it's an entire, it's entirely possible that we would not come back to it, that I was going home to try and get my head right, to try and get my marriage in a better place. And, uh, and that we did not know how that was going to pan out, whether that meant that I was going to, we would find a way to come back to this or, or that I was going to go home and get a, a straight job and, and just try and get happy and healthy um and uh yeah there was it was a really brutal period and we went through basically 2016 through 2019 three years joe's and joey just moved to toronto mm -hmm. and uh we wound the band down and joey did joey released two solo records yeah in that time and i worked on uh, i worked really hard on trying to get my head straight and it was it was brutal it was three really brutal years it was really hard on me and it was really hard on joe um, and, uh, you know, we did end up coming through it when we made 87, we launched into that project without a real clear vision of what we were doing or why Okay. we started writing and recording and we started working again towards getting the band on the road, but, but it was never, we never dealt with the real underlying issues. We just started kind of going through the motions again and, we knew that, you know, we, we both feel the gravity towards this thing that we do. We're drawn to it in a, in a really deep and important way. Um, but for us to jump back into that without having the conversations that we needed to have and doing all the work that we needed to do, we ended up making a record that, that was very fraught. Oh yeah. Um, and we also dragged the band into it without any of that clear direction. So the guys that we had playing in the band were, they were not privy to a lot of what was going on. So much of this was unspoken. And so yeah. the, the entire temperament around the, the 87 record and then the tours that followed, we're just really, we're really all over the place. Right. And it was really unsettled and it, it wound up being in its own way, this kind of very painful experience. Um, and it wasn't until the, and, and on top of that, uh, when we launched into the 87 tour, which started with the record release in the fall of 2019, Joey had just come off of touring the absolute snot out of hindsight right? and had done this whirlwind world tour that took him everywhere. Uh, and he was burning out. So it was just this, like this, um, sort of yeah boiling point of all these things and then the pandemic hit and so i think in a lot of ways it it was exactly the course correct that we needed we stopped again <laughs> how many times in your life yeah. do you have to yeah. stop and start from scratch you know yeah. many yeah. uh but that's exactly what happened and we were able to hit pause and we were able to come home and really lean into doing some of that work both of us spending a ton of time working with psychologists um spending a lot of time investing in our mental health investing in our marriages starting families 
And in the process of, of having all this time at home, we were able to get back on a, on a much firmer footing and to finally, um, finally sort of come together in terms of what the vision was going to be for the project and what we were doing and why. Yeah. Uh, and now I think, and, and a little, a little bit more backstory, not to jump all over the place, but like when we started the band as all bands do, we had no idea what we were doing. Yeah, exactly. We just started making music and it took us on this adventure right. and you're never prepared for success. Right. At, at, no matter how big or small, yeah. you cannot prepare for it. It's, it's not, it's not something that's easy to anticipate. And so it just like, it just grabbed us and took us on this adventure and much of it was good, but we, all the stuff that we weren't prepared for, it just sort of built up. And so in a lot of ways, it feels like this is the very first time that we have this real clarity of purpose where we've been doing this long enough that we understand what it means and what it costs and the challenges of the business that we're in and the work that we do. And we can look at it very objectively and go, here's, here's what we're trying to get out of this. And here's why we do it. And here's how much we want to do it. Cause we both have, we both started families during the pandemic and we want to be home with our kids yeah, exactly. as much as possible. We also, we want to realize our dreams of being musicians and, and rock stars and what have you. But uh, we also want to be rock star dads and husbands. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're aligned on that for the first time. And then creatively we are as well. And so I think that's, you know, that, yeah, that, that, I hope that answers your question. Well, it does. <laughs> I, 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 Thank you so very much for sharing. I, uh, let me share a little bit of my own experience with that world too. I never certainly toured at the level you guys do, but you know, I was playing bars seven, uh, seven shows a week, you know, two on Saturday. Plus I had a day job and yeah. I had, you know, a young son at home and then another young son. And, you know, my wife didn't understand anything why I would even want to do this. I mean, she wasn't really a fan of, of why anybody would want to play music. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it bends you and shapes you. I eventually had to give up because I, I never found a way to make a living at it. I mean, I, to make it just so I was only doing music, right? And, and the traveling yeah. and touring and things like that. And mind you, you know, I can't imagine what it's like to, because your first album really took off, right? I mean, you got a lot of uh, praise and, and it's an exciting album and it really stands up well. But I mean, I think you won Juno Awards or something. I can't remember the whole history behind it, but yeah, so <laughs> I can't imagine. No, you're uh, right. You know, I can't imagine the pressures and, uh, and, and of course the music industry is so strange this this way uh, because uh, you know you go into it for pure reasons but then it becomes all uh, about commercial especially if you've got managers and all those guys involved uh, yeah yeah I mean and the de the demand like I mean we have a wonderful team who really supports us uh, prioritizing the important stuff and you know you hear horror stories about artists getting pushed by their team super hard and yeah I mean people like Amy Winehouse who, who wind up succumbing to it, but we're certainly not in that situation. We have a really supportive team, but I think there's, there's something in what you said about, you know, why, why do you want to do this? And I think that that's kind of what the pandemic really brought us face to face with was we've spent, you know, the better part of a decade chasing these dreams around 
And then we got a bunch of time off to be home with our families. And, and I think we were both kind of hit with the question, like, yeah, why do we want to do this? Because <laughs> I like, I, I love playing music and, and playing my guitar, but like being at home with my daughter is way better, <laughs> objectively better. Um, and so it forced us to kind of like, I mean, and it doesn't mean we don't still love what we do, but I think, I think what we struggled with in, in those early days was a healthy amount of balance. And it's hard to have when you're trying to build something from scratch, especially when you're trying to build something from scratch that has no value. You know, when people are like, uh, on one hand, they, they want you to play and they want you to make art and they want you to do this. But the second that you ask them to pay for it, they're like, well, there are way more, way more important things in the world to pay for than music. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, like if, 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 if there's no art in the world and not just music, but any kind of art, uh, it's pretty, pretty awful place that nobody's going to want to live in. Just start imagining a world with no movies, TVs, music, uh, art, uh, theater, uh, and dance, any kind of culture, culture, any exactly culture. It's a pretty great place. Yeah. So, but, but I mean, like, that's not on us to fix. Yeah. And the only thing that we can, we can do is control the narrative of our own lives, which is what, what, what we're trying to do now. Yeah. Um, and it's paying dividends because we still get to do the thing that we love, but we also still get to still get to focus on being the husbands and the dads that we want to be. It, and it's really important. It's no longer success at all costs right. and I th- or, or at all costs. And I think that's yeah. where we were at in our twenties. And, and that's a very hungry young approach yeah. uh, that it's, it's easy to fall into because that's where the pressure is pushing you is to just success at all costs, growth at all costs. But for us, it's like growth without prosperity is pointless. So um, it's not at all costs. It's, and, and once you, once you realize that and you can make peace with it, like I, we're both okay with the fact that we'll never be famous mm-hmm. and we'll probably never be super rich, but you know, we're making a living playing music, albeit a modest one. And that, you know, that, that is some 1% shit right there. Like, you know, we're, we're doing the thing that we love and, and we're able to contribute to our f- families and, uh, you know, we are that lucky. And once you realize that the prosperity is more important than the growth itself, you can kind of lean into it and you just be grateful for what does come yeah. and, and okay with the fact that we're not going to do every single thing that comes around and tour every single day of the year to, to get there. Well, I mean, that's a life lesson that um, many people have to learn, not just musicians or people who are in the sure. so-called limelight. I mean, even even in the world of trying to make a living, you know, sometimes you get sucked, sucked down a rabbit hole where all you're working 24 hours a day and, uh, you know, there's balance mm-hmm. and there's a, there's a cost to it. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right to make good decisions because in the long run, when you are much older than this and you are very, uh, you know, continue to be successful musicians, you're going to be grateful that you have your family and your loved ones close, you know, close in your heart because that's where the real inspiration comes from, I think. You are listening to Behind the Drive Shortcuts. My name is Douglas McLean. Our guests on this podcast are the brothers Landreth, Joey and David, incredible songwriters and wonderful people really got their heads on tight so please listen further 
yeah, talking yeah. like an old man now. <laughs> you know, but you know what? I think I think sage, man. It's I, sage. I think we all benefit from from you know to quote you to to pull from talking like an old man. You know, I think we like we prioritize all of these things and uh yeah what I, like what we're realizing is like yeah we love what we do i have zero regrets right but i i don't want to leave home a second longer than i need to be gone you know and that's not something that i knew when i was younger it was like yeah get me out of here let's go yeah, let's go, take go, me go, as go. far away from home as i possibly can yeah. i want to meet everyone i want to play with everyone I, you know yeah. and now i'm i'm like ah i don't know i'm okay I've I've played some cool stuff. I I, I want to play trucks with my my little girl, you know. <laughs> well, it's there. So you mentioned earlier that you had a vision for the album and the songs that you were going to put together here. Can you articulate a bit about that? The process. How do you uh, kind of come up with a kind of common, you know? I don't want to use the word vision again, but you know, you you must have a process yeah. before you go right into it. Did you, did you put that down on paper or something or just in discussion or thoughts? And You know, every song kind of had its own, its own plan in a way. And um, not every single song had a super clear vision. And you know, what's different about this record is kind of that vision in a way, because in the past, we uh, we most often and and I and I still love this method of making records but we come to the table with usually an iPhone demo of just a vocal and an acoustic guitar here's the melody here are the chord changes and then we build it from scratch in the studio yeah and there's a lot of kind of improvisation and then there's a lot of hey what if we did this here what if we did that here okay great we we pick our favorite sort of take of that and then off we go um but this this record, it had moments that, you know, I, I had certain things that I I was yearning to hear. And I didn't I didn't always know how to articulate them, but I, I knew them when I heard them. And so I, I feel like there's a song like You Don't Know Me. I had a really clear idea of how I wanted that song to right. to sort of come across. And um it's kind of hard to put into into words what that vision was but i wanted this record to feel i wanted to i wanted this record to feel like it was breathing like it was it was a living breathing thing where everyone involved is paying attention to each other is playing playing off each other we're building things that bring the stories to life and so naturally every song that wound up being a slightly different thing but i i didn't i didn't want it to just be a canvas that we throw paint at i wanted everything to have a purpose and you know we used we used a lot of like we threw we threw mics in the rooms to capture the sound of the room because i wanted when if you listen really closely and close your eyes i don't want you to feel like you're hearing a guitar or a vocal i want you to feel like you're sitting in a room with somebody playing guitar or singing so I, I really wanted there to be this sort of three dimension aspect to it, and uh, I don't know if anybody's noticing that, and, but I think uh, I think I some people that. are listening to it and going, "Oh, I like that." But you know, it I was it was that. fun for us. I I noticed that. I mean, there's a sense of intimacy. I mean, there's a sense that you're sharing something with two artists or a band of artists. You know, 
and uh, it's it's shining through. There's something shining through. I I want to uh, talk about three of the songs from this album and one from '87, if you don't mind, that uh, sure. really uh, really came through for me. Uh, the, the I I got the singles, of course, because I I do a hosted radio show, so I was playing the singles for a few months. Oh, nice. We're rolling them out, and uh, you know, played them a few times. And, uh, you know, I loved them, but I wasn't sure exactly what the sound was. And then when I got the album and I heard After the Rain, I fell down and went, holy crap, what a, what a set of songs, you know. And uh, when After the Rain opened, it, it was like a key. It opened up the whole album for me. So the, the first song that I'd like to cool. talk about, if you don't mind, is After the Rain, because I think it's an extraordinary piece of work and uh so touching and moving thanks you know so did you did you write that together or was that a i mean i know you've got a lot of core uh, something too sorry go ahead no no that's fine yeah. um that sounds reminds me of corduroy yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> anyway yeah. the computer just beeped in the same key as uh, a song on the record stupid, stupid notifications yeah oh <laughs> that's all good <laughs> Um, after the rain was maybe one of the first songs that we wrote for the record specifically. Am I, um, is that right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Like we had, there's a couple of songs that preexisted the actual, this album's writing s- sessions, but we wrote that with a guy named Jonathan Singleton. Right. And he is one of our favorite co-writers. He is also the guy that we wrote made up mind with. And that's a song that Bonnie Raitt just cut yeah. earlier this year, Absolutely. which is, uh, one of the coolest and funnest things that's ever happened to us period as a band. Yeah. Um, so he's somebody that we really trust and really love and, and enjoy co-writing with, uh, there, there are a handful of people that we do co-write with on the regular. Um, he's one of them. Roman Clark's another one. Mm -hmm. Um, Joey wrote the majority of the songs on his second record on hindsight with Roman and Roman's got two cuts on this record as well. Um, but we wrote that one and that one, when we finished it, we were really, really excited about it because it also felt like kind of a a step in this different direction. We don't write a lot in six, eight. It's not the kind of melodies that we normally gravitate towards. So it really felt exciting. Um, and thematically it kind of opened the door to this idea that of like working through trauma to get to a brighter side. It's very, it's a little on the nose. Like the lyric is, it is a little straightforward that way, but I, I kind of, kind of like it. You're, you're almost leaning into the cliches. Um, we've had a couple of people kind of tease us about, so you wrote a rain song, huh? Actually Germans. Yeah. The, 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 Ger- the there's Germans something like about the rain songs in Germans. They, they're they, just, they think that's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. It is kind of cliche to have like your rain song, but you know what? It's a great metaphor. <laughs> and and the metaphor for us was that, yeah, that that there is this great incentive to work through pain and to not languish there. And um to to, you know, it's worth suffering through it to get to the other side and that there is this possible hopeful transformation on the other end. It's a little rosy, it's a little light for us, but I, I gotta say we we left that song super excited and it did inform a lot of the stuff that would follow. Um and as a bit of a side note, we've kind of discovered that that song is is one of the one of our favorite songs to play live. It's yeah, just the it the way it sits in the, in the band and yeah. singing it is really fun, and the arrangement is really fun. It does, has a lot of sort of dynamic shifts, and um, 
so yeah gl- glad you uh glad you like that one well, and it really and, resonated uh, for me we actually almost named the record we almost oh Sorry, yeah you go ahead yeah i think i'm getting some lag here good old zoom um the uh the chorus in that did you did you guys write the lyrics for that because the chorus is wonderful you know dancing like fools underneath silver yeah yeah oh that's wonderful stuff um you know the uh yeah go ahead oh no 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 no, no, you go ahead i yeah anyway it's a wonderful tune and i i've been playing that sort of non-stop since i got the album and uh i i've played that on a few radio shows it it really took me places. Actually, um, I wanted to mention the the Bonnie Raitt uh, song because you know the the note is that that was your first song that you 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 wrote together, and now she's got this on this ex- extraordinary new album of hers. You'll uh, those royalties are sure going to come in handy because I think that album is going to take off. Uh, she's getting huge response from that, right? So that'll be a nice thrill. Uh, <laughs> here's hoping man here's hoping <laughs> we wouldn't be mad at a royalty check but we've yet to make any money off of music anyway the, so it would be yeah. It would, yeah it'd be a treat the excitement of like to have one of your heroes cover a, one of your songs and a song that you really love and to do it really faithfully and to include us in the process and and to you know open up like we've we we've, we've become pen you know pen pals with bonnie Raitt, and i can't believe that that's a sentence that i get to say you know, yeah, very exciting. So royalties. I mean, w- yeah, we wouldn't be mad at it, but it's far. It's far from the from the coolest thing that comes from that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, of course, with streaming these days, I don't even know if there is such things as royalties. I, my last royalty check was for one dollar and twenty nine cents. So, <laughs> so hey, mine too. Lucky <laughs> <laughs> <Fuck> you, <laughs> man. What are you doing that you're getting money? I yeah, don't know. Every time we get a SoCan statement, we owe them money. <laughs> oh, you have to get on their board of directors or something. Um, the I wanted to ask about uh, the song Salvation Bound from 87, if you don't mind, because that one I found uh, to be very, very... I like 87, actually. I, 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 I had looked around for new music from you guys for years and missed that. I don't know why I never came across that album until... Oh, until this meeting was set up, but I uh, Salvation Bound is really powerful, um, and it's just a single, you know, just a single guitar with a little break in it. And uh, is that a collaborative song? Did you both write that, or is that a solo writing? We did, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, yeah. really well done. Yeah, so, Salvation, but well, and and don't get us wrong. Like '87 was was rife with some drama and some and some heartache but we're still tremendously proud of that record and we feel like it does represent who we are it's not like that's not a pockmark on our history by any stretch it just was not an easy record to make it was a very difficult record to make but um salvation bound was a tune dave and i wrote it in kind of one day and uh we were on a little writing trip um it's funny we went to nashville to write but we didn't write with anyone just we just wrote together yeah (laughs) We we rented an Airbnb. My wife came down for her birthday, and we just we wrote a handful of songs. Um, it was great, actually. It was a nice trip. It was a really nice trip. We got I got super super sunburnt on one of our runs. Um, <laughs> you did too. I remember that. Yeah, brutal. Lobster. Yeah, um, but that that was just a tune. You know, we we grew up uh, in a 
you know, a, a fairly low socioeconomic bracket and, and a lot of the people, uh, you know, a lot of people we love and a lot of people we grew up with were really poor and we're constantly, constantly chasing the eight ball. And that song is just a tribute to all the people that we know and love that have, that have struggled with, with uh, getting out from underneath the, the oppression of poverty. And, um, you know, we are, uh, uh, very fortunate and very privileged to, you know, to be in great relationships and, uh, thankfully our wives are both have real jobs. <laughs> but, you say that delicately. Why do you say that delicately? But we got uh, sugar mamas. I think. Um, you did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's a song that means a tremendous amount to Dave and I, right. um, and and a fun story behind the recording of that was we hit, we originally were going to record that full band and we we cut the track with drums bass and two guitars and uh, we listened back to it and we're kind of like eh yeah I mean it's not like it's bad but it's just not it's not there and so we we were going to try another approach and and we were at the end, very end of the day and I was in I can say this because I'm talking about myself I was in a bad mood and I was like in the Snickers commercial when the guy turns into yeah. Danny DeVito, like yeah. I, I was, yeah. I was just, I was salty. Yeah. And, uh, and the guy said, uh, just, just go into the booth, take your resonator and record, record a guide pass that we can work, work on tomorrow. Right. And so I was like, fine. I don't know what the point is, but fine. <laughs> Grumpy Joe. <laughs> Grumpy Joe. And I went into the booth and I played the song down and get to the very end. Let, let, actually, let me tell this part because I can tell it because I was in the studio. And okay. So, yeah, we, we send Hungry Joey into the studio. He's he's grumpy <laughs> In dire need of a Snickers. Swearing under his breath. We have no in, uh, affiliation with Snickers. And um, and and there was a, it was a, a really wacky mic that our engineer, Paul, wanted to try out. It was an uh, old Sony thing. Fostex. Fost, it was an old Fostex ribbon mic. It yeah. was this old noisy cacophonic. Yeah. microphone uh but it was really vibey and he wanted to try it and again it was just meant to be a guide so joey goes into the room and we hit the red light and he goes for it and there's a hush and there's like that that session there's all there was a million people hanging around when we were making that record oh dear too yeah. so the room is full of people yeah. and it just like a hush falls on the on everybody in the audience because it's just like oh joey is tapped into the ether all of a sudden and channeled his hunger and his grumpiness and his gut he's like he is in it and we all held our breath because he the, the song just fell out of him in this past and if you listen to it there's it's it's full of weird bars like it, it is so it is so just like it, it's entirely the muse right yeah. um and we get all the way to the end and we're just we're just like oh my god wow he's got it he's got it he's got it and he gets to the end of the song and then he plays this cheeky like because he thinks we're just recording this guy and he's just like oh whatever yeah. and we're like no <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. but we were you... able we were able to go in and, and fix just that that one ending so yeah it's it's it, it's probably now because i've got some time and and a little bit of maturity to reflect on it it is one of my favorite recordings of myself right. i'm very proud of that uh, and I wish I could say that it was all one take. It, the very last chord we punched, we edited because if we left what was there, it was like literally bam, 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 yeah. 
you know, and <laughs> would have completely ruined the listener's experience. So, well, the, uh, now, but you, yeah, did you play? Have you had a chance to play that live? That song? Do you use use that in your yeah. set? Yeah, yeah, and it, it's often in our set. And we also got to um, we got to play that with the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra as well. Oh, wow. So there's there's yeah. a there's an arrangement of that floating around with yeah. with a beautiful orchestra behind it and uh which is really hard to play because the guy who orchestrated it um transcribed all of the weird measures that i put in there that were yeah. i just call them like feeling time signature where it's like there's a bar of seven eight here god knows why i just wanted to get to the next verse yeah. an eighth note earlier <laughs> and, yeah and you but, do some odd little um uh half steps and things like that too like where you kind of move away from your chords you just like drop a half step down or I can't remember the whole, but it really is. It's fascinating um, little movements in your, in your playing. So, I mean, you must've been in a great zone. It's a, it's a wonderful place. Um, I wanted to ask about the slide guitar too. If we still got some time here, I don't mind if you don't mind the slide, oh, yeah, guitar yeah, we're good on, the slide guitar on come morning is very, very interesting. Um, because it's 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 almost restrained in a way, like it's you know uh, from the previous two albums, the slide is quite out front, but here it almost sounds. In there's a few of these songs on this album that sound almost like George Harrison kind of slide. You know that real restrained, muted. I don't know how you get that sound, but it just rips through your heart, and it's a must be a thrill Thanks. to be able to play that. Uh, <laughs> I it's you know I think it's one of those things you don't know what you got I guess but it I mean I love playing slide guitar um and actually that's a you, you're very perceptive because uh uh I think maybe the the moment you're referencing is uh in possibly drive all night but we were definitely channeling George Harrison oh. in that in that part of the tune so good on you um yeah I mean I I've uh, like both Dave and I are career musicians before we were artists, we worked for other people. And so, uh, you know, it's important to be versatile. It's important to, you know, be able to read, although we're not, well, you're a better reader than I am, but you know, we're not prolific music readers or anything, but you know, we're, we're versatile musicians. Well, well rehearsed. Um, but there's something in that, uh, in that sort of way of approaching music that can sometimes be, kind of the antithesis of creativity you get too focused on being good at your instrument that you forget to make music yeah and i kept feeling that the entire time when i would when i would go and plug in and get my sort of usual solo guitar sound you know that i would use for a guitar solo yeah. um i just wasn't finding it inspiring and it was like you know i'd sort of do my usual like rip a guitar solo and it just wasn't <laughs> speaking to me it wasn't speaking to us and so we just started saying, well, what happened? Like, it, this is another thing, another one of these rules that I mentioned from before. We've always said, like, the way that I play guitar is like this. Well, what happens if I don't play guitar like that? It's still yeah. still going to be me. Right. So there and there are moments where there's, you know, some real guitar breaks. And, and there there are more moments like that in the live show where I kind of just step sure. on all my pedals and go for it. Yeah. Um, but in the making of this record, it just didn't feel right. Yeah. And it and it didn't feel like it was it felt out of place yeah. and so you know it's it's not like we're never going to have a record with big guitar solos again but this just wasn't the wasn't the album for it well it sure sits in there nice um, and uh 
yeah, you're lucky you found it because it's going to stay, you know, when they, as the album grows on listeners and as they listen to it more and more, you know, they're going to just fall, I think, in love with that sort of sound. Um, I would like to ask Thanks. about uh, two more songs, but uh, just to the, t- the two other songs uh, don't, don't, uh, what is it? Don't feel like crying. I mm. just tore me apart. And, but before we go there, let, let's talk about back to thee because I don't know where that song come from, but that's pure genius. And the fact that it ends the album is so, so rich. And I don't know if that's a co-write or not, because I didn't get the writing credits for all of the songs. So, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that one, please, uh, if you can? Love to. Hear a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, even even the songs that I bring to the table that are fully formed always go through Dave as an editor. So, we 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 we're basically Lennon and McCartney when it comes to songwriting. So, uh, he 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 edits everything I do. I I go through everything that he does. I I can I can't really say I edit it, but because he's he's a significantly better writer than I am, but. That song was a tune that I wrote back in, I think the first, the first voice memo I found of that was 2014 or 2015. And it was at the beginning of getting really, really into gospel music. And I was particularly fascinated by sort of the, the reharmonization of old hymns that people were doing. And so I started to listen, listen to old recordings of hymns and start to try to wrap my head around how they were structured harmonically. And I, I was at, I was, my wife and I were living in Toronto at the time and I was in our apartment working through, I think, uh, uh, how great thou art or something like that. Yeah. Uh, just a solo guitar version. And my wife said, Oh, that's really, really beautiful. You should write a song like that. And I kind of, I kind of laughingly said, well, this is, this is a hymn. This is like public domain. You don't just write something like this. <laughs> and she was like, well, some, somebody wrote that. Right. Like, oh yeah, somebody yeah. did write that. So yeah. it it was kind of in the back of my mind that, that I it was a bit of a I set out on a bit of a concept mission was to write a hymn for my wife, and so that's that's what that song is. It's right. it's my version of a hymn, and I don't know if it's I'm not a religious person, so d- despite loving gospel music, I'm not a, I'm not a religious person, but uh, so I hope it's not sacrilegious to write a hymn for your your girlfriend or your wife, but that's, that's what that song is. It's just a tribute to our love and, and uh, um, yeah. And that's kind of how it is. And I've been playing that in my, in my solo shows for years and people have been asking for recordings of it. And we've sat down a couple of times to try to record it. And I've even tried to record it like a solo version of it. And it's like, "Ah, I don't know. It's hard to take it off the stage and make it feel like something, but, but we got it for this record. We, we managed to get something that we were really, really happy with. And, Oh. We almost didn't record this song. We too. almost didn't, yeah. And I think we we had earmarked it for the record and f- and forgot about it. Right. Yeah. And we had recorded a different song in its place. So we had you know, that's why I said we had 11 and we ended up with 10. Um we recorded what we thought might be the album ender and it was just like, oh this isn't right. Yeah. I did like that song, but it, it's it nice was song. fine. It was just fine, you yeah. know. Um and then uh, in the process of working through that one and not really getting it, we're like, oh, right. Didn't we want to do Back to Thee? It's like, oh, yeah, we did. So threw Joey in there, yeah. caught it. It was the very the very last minute, the 11th hour, squeezed it in. And, and uh, yeah, and it just it just felt perfect at the end of the record once it all sort of settled. It just, yeah. Right. Well, it, it fits the end of the song. And, you know, because the album starts with Stay and this, 
these whole imagery throughout the album about you know being pulled and the tension about wanting to live a one kind of life but having to go out on missions and things like that or to accomplish other you know professional whatever goals i mean we're always being torn i actually i actually thought it was a gospel uh, I thought it was religious until I read the lyrics. <laughs> so then it went, oh, <laughs> he's being a little more personal, but of course, all love is one love, right? I guess in the in the end. Absolutely. Yeah. Much. Okay, I don't know if we've got time. I don't want to take your whole... Yeah, uh, man, we got time. We got time. But, uh, can you... So I, I found Don't Feel Like Crying very, very touching. And I don't know who Leith... Ross is, but uh, I love the collaboration. Not to say I don't like all the other songs as well, but there's there's these highlights, you know, that just stick with me. And uh, I'm funny. I guess I'm, you know, listening to music so long in my life. I'm just amazed by how writers can reach in and go, "How do you do?" You know, feel this for a while. So, do you, can you take <laughs> us take us down that road for a while and tell us about? Yeah, that? man, gladly. That song started with the chorus, right. and that was a great example of like where I, I showed up with a chorus that was just, um, I don't feel like crying anymore. That was it. Right. And it was just over and over and over. Yeah. Um, and then Joey sat down and, and helped me refine that idea. We, we batted that around for a while. Cause we, we had the chorus, the chorus kind of speaks for itself. Right. I, I'm, yeah. I don't know. We had the verses first. Remember it was a totally different song. We had the verses, the chorus came and we went and found those, we plucked right. those verses. So right. the, 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 the history of this song is it started with a chorus right. that we didn't know what it was about. And then we went back and this is very common for Joe and I, we went back and mined old demos that, that hit the editing room floor or lyrics and like snippets of stuff that just never found a home, all the orphan verses. And we found some verses that felt like they fit that chorus. So we started writing this song still not knowing what it was about and the and the lyrics the verses and the choruses they 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 made sense but they weren't resonating even though we were really i think we were really happy with the melody it felt like we really liked the feel of the song but it it wasn't connecting and and the moment things or sorry i should say until things connect will they'll never they'll never pass muster right. we've 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 learned that when we allow things to proceed even though they don't have that connection we always regret it yeah. and we'll never play it live yeah. joey cannot get up on stage and sing a lyric that he doesn't believe in he just can't do it it kills him and it's so we don't do it lord knows we've tried we've tried we've we've tried we, we've, <laughs> we've gotten tried. songs that people are like that's a hit and we start playing it we're like Ugh. yeah joey just like <laughs> just can't yeah, do it it's like you know you got certain food that just makes you gag <laughs> same thing yeah. so um, I don't know that I want to, that I want to like out ourselves about what the song is about necessarily, yeah. but the moment we realized what the song was about, we started singing it and playing it. I remember you started singing it and playing it. And immediately we all started crying because once we, once we found out what the song was really about and it connected, um, then it all kind of fell into place. And then we were able to go and rewrite all the verses for them to, to really, to really resonate, to connect. Yeah. Um, and so that, that one we kind of fought for. We yeah. really, like, we really fought for that one. Yeah. Um, and then Leith singing the, the verse on that is not something that we, as you know, you've now listened to these three records. It's not something we do. We don't do a lot of guest vocalists. The only, the only guest vocalist we've ever had 
on any of our records was our dad singing one verse in a course runaway train, on yeah. runaway train oh really so, you see on that oh i love that song yeah. oh man oh yeah he sings the second verse it's crazy to me how many people are like is that you like, <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> no <laughs> he's like down an octave yeah um and he sounds like he's smoked a million anyways <laughs> uh well, so has. leaf yeah, Leith, Joey is now co-producing Leith's new record, and Leith is okay. Leith is an amazing young talent, um, and they're they're just positively exploding. And we'll be lucky if we can open for them one day. Uh, but that getting that that lyric, that background vocal for this song, uh, it just it really did. It just lifted the whole song mm -hmm. and uh, took it to a place that we've never gone. We've never done that before. And, and we're so happy that we did because it. I think it is for a lot of people has become kind of a standout track and a bit of a sleeper. If you haven't, we just put out a video of us singing it with Leaf live. Right. Um, with a, On for, YouTube. Yeah, for us, a fairly big band. There's six. Murray's playing acoustic. Liam is playing keys. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a really, I'm really proud of that version of it. It's really fun. And you can hear Leaf singing along with Joe and it's, it's magic. That's a magical song. It's a great album. And, uh, you know, I wanted to mention too, Joey, that Aberdeen with the Hello Darlings was one of the, uh, my top hits for last year. I just, that album knocked me out as well. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, so you really, you're on fire there. So listen, guys, thanks, man. I, I really, I wish you great success with this album. I think it's wonderful. I, I think every element of it is thought through and, well played and everything you've done a great job i hope it finds a, a great audience and a wide audience and thanks so very very much for taking all this time and being so forthright and open to my oh it's our pleasure <laughs> thanks for enjoying the record and and listening to it and thank you for the thoughtful questions right i'll send you some links it. when we get this all up uh, in the air and uh, thanks a million okay i'm gonna say goodbye great. good luck with everything Okay, hey, thanks, thanks, Doug. Thanks, Douglas. Bye. You've been listening to Behind the Drive Shortcuts. My name is Douglas McLean. Our guests were the brothers Landreth in conversation about their brand new album, Come Morning. Thanks so very much for listening.